Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by educational consultant Stephanie Frumkin to discuss comparing school options for very bright slash gifted students that have learning differences. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Kristen, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here on the podcast. I've listened to some of your episodes and I'm excited to be able to share a few things with you. Fabulous. We're excited to have you. This is going to be great. I think this is going to be super helpful to a lot of parents. Yeah, great. Thank you. Absolutely. So let's just start with an introduction. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So as you said, I'm Stephanie Frumkin and I'm an educational consultant and I'm the founder and owner of Exceptional Educational Solutions. And I specialize in helping families with students who are very bright or gifted and have learning differences such as ADHD, autism, dyslexia, or anxiety, and I help them find the best school fit for their child's needs. Um, these students are often um, known as twice exceptional or 2E. Um, I serve families in the DC metro area and focus on students entering kindergarten through 12th grade. And I'm solution-focused, and I can help with a variety of educational options, including public school, private school, homeschooling, online school, or perhaps a mix of those, um, and other options as well. I help with school placement, primarily in private school. I also do educational advocacy, so I help with IEPs and 504 plans, as well as private school support plans. I use my advocacy skills in the private school admissions process as well. And if a child is having a hard time in their private school, I can help to improve outcomes. I'm very holistic in my approach and I help families find resources that meet their needs, such as connecting them with tutors, coaches, evaluators, therapists, or enrichment opportunities. Um, I'm a former elementary school teacher and ESOL teacher and also a summer camp director. And I got into this type of consulting work when I had my children who are not your traditional learners, very gifted, with some learning differences, so school has not been a linear path for us. We've been involved in all sorts of schooling um, options. Uh, we've done private school, homeschool, online school, public school with an IEP. So I come to this work as both an educator and a parent, and I have a lot of empathy for the parents um, and families that I work with. I know it's not easy, but because there are so many options out there, more than most people could even imagine, I'm optimistic and um, that we can help find a good school fit for the individual child and family. I help a lot of very confused parents figure out what the best educational path is for their child to be successful and to thrive. That's fantastic. Wow. It's cool when you have someone who is who was an educator themselves and then also a parent because you do have both sides of the coin, which I think is just like it enriches what you have to offer um, when you go to help those parents. So that's really cool to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love I love working with these families. This really is my passion and calling because having been a parent in a in this situation that most of the parents come to me with, um, I completely understand and empathize with where they're coming from. So it's really my pleasure to help them in this way. That's awesome. And so where can people find you if they're gonna like look you up or if they like come to see you, where do they find you? Sure. So, I mean, I am based in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is outside of Washington, D.C., um, but I can be found on my website, which is exceptionaleducationalsolutions.com, um, also on social media, um, and you can, but you can find me um, you know, through the links on my website. So, I think the website's the best place to find me. Perfect. Thank you so much. All righty. Let's just hop into some questions. So, I think you've started to explain this in your intro, but can you say, like, what does a gifted students with learning differences mean? Like, who are we talking about there? 
Right. I would say there are multiple definitions of it. I will say sort of what how I define it for myself and my work. So basically, I'm a student who is very cognitively bright or gifted, and that could be shown on an IQ test, or it could be someone who's just very curious and has ability to understand complex concepts. Um, so that's the bright or gifted part. Um, right. And then the the other part, the other exceptionality, if you say 2E, two exceptionalities, the other exceptionality is um, some difference that's affecting their learning. Um, that could be in the realm of attention or behavior or emotional, social, motor, sensory, neurodevelopmental. <laughs> um, it could be a lot of things, um, which usually will be in the form of a diagnosis of dyslexia, autism, ADHD, anxiety, depression, kind of you name it. There's a lot of different labels out there. So that's okay. who I said. Very cool. And I mean, we have a lot of students, um, like, you know, we work with students with dyslexia. So we do see a lot of kids that come in with dyslexia, but they also have ADHD or they've got the anxiety that's coming, um, you know, along with the dyslexia, um, a lot of students with autism. And so it, it, we do see like a similar profile. Um, but you have a different lens cause you're looking for school options. So like, what are all the options that students have when they're looking at different schools? Right. So I'll say, um, so I do focus on, I mean, I'm focused in one city, you know, the DC big metropolitan area. So I am on any kind of school that's in, that's at home. It's child can be at home. Like I will say, I want to say like, this is all, I mean, there are boarding schools, there are therapeutic schools that you send your child away to, but as long as the child's living at home, I will say that there's a lot, a lot of options that don't, most people don't even know that are out there. So um, there's, you know, there's private schools and that's kind of all kinds of flavors of private schools. It could be a, you know, could be a religious school. It could be, you know, I will go into a little more detail about that, but there's all sorts of private schools. There's homeschooling, there's online school, there's public school. Um, and again, within public school, there's so many different options as well. There's placements in public school, there's gifted programs, there's magnet programs. I mean, like, I really feel like the list is so endless and I get excited talking about it. Because yeah. I feel like there's so many possibilities for families and people kind of have their one way of thinking. And I, I enjoy helping people know what's out there. Yeah. Cause like I went to public school. Um, granted I did go to like a specialty school when I got to high school, but it was also still part of my County. So I didn't have like, and there were, it was just like, I go to public school and like, that's the end of it. Um, so this is really interesting for me to hear as well. Cause I, I know there's public school and private school, but I wouldn't have told you that I could have gone to online school or I could have done a mix of both. Um, and I don't know a ton about like homeschooling or anything like that. So I don't know if you want to tell me a little bit about like public school for a twice exceptional student. Like what are the pros? What are the cons? What do you see happen in public schools? For public school? So it's it can be tricky. I would just say like, in general, finding a school for a child with the two exceptionalities, you know, being really bright with some learning differences, they're complex and they're hard to find placements for. I mean, we don't have, I mean, in our city, we don't have any, um, there are no twice exceptional schools here. So we're at that disadvantage. I mean, there are some that are, you know, like in New York and LA and a few other cities, there are some 2 schools and they may or may not be a good option. But you're asking about public school. And um, so anyway, it's hard to fit in the box. That's basically what right. I'm trying to say. And when whatever, you know, whatever school option you choose, um, but specifically public school, it's hard to fit in the box because if your child needs enrichment, they need to be engaged and they need more, they need to be accelerated. They may or may not get that in the public school. Um, and then, you know, in terms of like supporting their learning needs, they may, or, you know, it, I mean, there is a, 
our laws, like the IDEA laws, um, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, there are laws um, that require school districts to support students with an IEP. Um, there's also other laws that support them with a 504 plan, different, different learning plans. But um, it's a fight, you know, like school districts have a certain amount of funding they have available. And, you know, a lot of people need to hire an advocate or consultant or someone to try to help them through the process because it's hard. It's hard. So trying to get both their needs met in a more like traditional in the box kind of school environment, which is generally your public school. Um, that is hard. I mean, some school districts have lots of options. Like they have some KBC, they have charter schools, which with their different models and you can apply to, or maybe it's a lottery to get into certain public schools. And within their different public schools, there are different programs that, you know, may or may not be a lottery or may or may not be, you know, um, selective or, you know, where they choose you or might be related to your IEP and certain right. placements. So, Anyway, there's a lot, there's a lot there just within that one option. Right. But I'll say it's like, it's hard. It's just hard to, you, yeah. know, you know, especially with the, the amount of funding that public schools have, it's hard to right. um, find the really, a really good fit in public school. I'm not saying it can't be done. I mean, right. in, there's a school district in the area here that they have a twice exceptional program in oh. the public school system. Um I've heard mixed reviews, <laughs> uh, depending <laughs> on the school it's at and depending on the level. Right. And, and also it's just, but it's also very challenging to even get accepted into that program. You think sure. people contact me all the time and say, oh, I'm moving. I want to move from Atlanta to your area because you have this 2E program. And I'm like, right. well, good luck. That's going to be really hard to get your child. You know, it's just the whole process to even get it, try to get accepted. So, wow. well, I like, well, you know, it's just harder. I think it's hard in public school. Right. So if parents are like, finding the public school is like really difficult for their child. Um, they've like tried the IEP or a 504 plan and neither of those two things are really working for their kiddo. Like, where do you recommend they go from there? What do you think they do after that? Right. I mean, one option is to advocate in the public right. school. So you're saying if they've gone that route and they've advocated and they've gone, you know, gone up the chain. And so the other options are, you know, just to look and, and just to think about what Maybe there's a private school in the area that might better suit your needs. Um, there's homeschooling. There's online schools. There's some some of the um, public schools actually either the school district or the state uh, pays for a virtual academy that you oh. could you know so that is possibility. But that may or may not be the best online option for your child. I mean, it just I guess I'm saying looking looking outside the public school district at different school options. There's a, okay. lot, a lot out there. Okay. But then um, I think I, I, sorry, if I skipped over. So the regular, if you're in the public school system um, and you haven't started advocating, you recommend just looking for like an advocate and having a discussion with them about maybe doing an IOP, IEP or 504. Is that what you were going to? Right. Yeah. Because you need to first be identified as a student with a disability first. Right. So, I mean, I do, I do advocacy work as part of the work that I do. So right. very familiar with the laws and the process of advocating. I mean, clearly you could do it yourself, but some people find it helpful to have a right. advocate or an attorney or, you know, someone to help them through it because not all the school district is not always in, like, it's not in, always in your child's best interest because they have to <laughs> Feel like they only have a certain amount of funds, so um, might go to somebody else. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, definitely that could. I mean, probably it's a good first line if your child is starting out in public and see if right. they can get their needs met. But you know, it depends. Like also, you have to have some amount of uh, 
you know, I want to say grit or, you know, some amount of like tenacity, yeah. you know, tenacity to like, to like move through this process. It's a long process. It takes months, you know, if your child's struggling and they don't have a support plan, it takes some tenacity to, to go through the whole process and get it set up. And like, and then like make, you know, make sure it's a good plan and then make sure it's being implemented. And it's a lot, you know, right. I mean, parents have a lot on their plates. So if you have a child with these different needs, um, school is not the easiest thing, you know, you right. know, a lot for them to get them get them what they need and then there's a the whole enrichment piece like are they are they able to get because that's not part of a support plan that's not an, an IEP or 504 plan oh wait so what part. is the enrichment portion yeah that's not really going to be on your IEP mostly I mean there's some states that do have gifted IEPs I heard in I think in Pennsylvania I believe they have that um the, I don't I don't actually I've never actually seen one because I'm focused oh, on the uh, yeah but um anyway for the most part that's just not part of your um your plan. So I don't know. Okay. That's just, I mean, that's a whole separate thing. Like, right. And then trying to, like, if your child gets, you know, try to get your child into the gifted program yeah. in your district or just get some enrichment in your school. So they might have to advocate for that. And also, because right. if they have some learning needs, it might not be as evident that the child needs the enrichment. Oh, right. Yeah. So there's like, so there's sort of two parts of two sides of that and trying Jeez. to get what you need. Again, with limited resources in the public right. school. I mean, look, some people do great. Some, you know, people do right. great in public school and it works. And if they have a really great school team and a great school, so if they're supportive, it really does a lot, depend a lot on who's actually in the building and who's actually in your district and how supportive they are and and what your child's needs are and if they can meet them more or less pretty easily or, or not. Yeah. Public school system, I feel, I always feel so terrible for them because they don't have a lot of funds. And it is like, you know, they've got classrooms full of kids and they're trying to get out all the things done. So I I can only imagine how hard it is for them to fulfill an IEP um, when they're dealing with, you know, all these other kids with maybe not an IEP, but they have their own specific needs as well. So it it sounds, I, I, I can see where the tenacity has to come in for a parent to make sure that the IEP is being implemented and all of those kinds of things. Exactly. Because I I think I mentioned I, I was a public school teacher at, at right. one point. And yeah, there's a lot on your plate. It's a lot. It's a lot to right, just deal with, you know, the, the new curriculum that came in this year and the, you know, and the kids that are having challenges that, right, like that maybe they're not learning disabilities or, you know, some other issues or it's a lot. There's a big classrooms, classroom management, all that. So, yeah, it, it you know sensitivity to that but then but the ultimate I mean we're speaking to parents here right absolutely you have to get your what your child needs I mean that's ultimately the most important thing so I mean we want to be sensitive but I I will say actually it's it's a good brings me to a point that I want to make is that you can't you can't I mean you can have sensitivity to the teachers but you have to really be advocating for your child you can't be absolutely too sensitive because I mean, as a former teacher and I was advocating for my own child, I was having, I think I was having too much empathy for the teachers and I wasn't like focused on my own child and you just need to do that. And you can always give teachers gifts and thank yous and that's, but when it comes to your child's needs, you know, you got to advocate for them first. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like it's just, it sounds like it's just really hard to get stuff done in the public school. Not that it's impossible. Right. But it just, it, like you said, it does take that tenacity from the parent. So what you said, there are some other options outside of the, outside of public school. So the private schooling online or homeschooling, do you want to speak to maybe the private schools, whatever you want to start talking sure, through? Sure. Yeah. So, right. So private schools 
could be a good option for your child. I mean, really, again, it really depends on their needs and kind of what, where you live and what options are available. I mean, living right. in a large metro metropolitan city and there's a lot of we have a lot of schools here and like new york has a lot of schools and different yeah. you know, larger cities like but you know, if you're in a small small area there might not be a lot <laughs> but i'll just right. i can speak a more to like you know like where, where, where i'm from what i where i deal with is um in, you know the dc metro area where there's like there was like hundreds of private schools right, right? so many which yeah. is amazing but it's also overwhelming and confusing <laughs> so i mean it's great i mean there's just so many different models of education. And I got, I got, you know, cause I, I can't come from the traditional educational world, um, right. you know, an elementary teacher and a, my master's in teaching English as a second language and also, um, school administration and supervision. So like I come from this very traditional you know, public school kind of world. Um, so when I had my kids and as I mentioned before, like we didn't follow the linear path of education, right. find different alternatives. Um, so I was very amazed to see how many different school options there were out there. And if I find it fascinating and I love learning about different school models. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about what's out there, but you know, yeah, that would be great. I'm so curious. Cause like I said, when I just went to public school, so I, I know about now being at RLLC, I know about charter schools, but -hmm. I don't even know that much about charter schools. And my husband went to a private school. So I do know that, but not yeah. enough. Actually, he went to a boarding school. It was partial oh. boarding school. And um, you could also like drive in every day, but it was, yeah. I don't know, a ton. So feel yeah. free, any any school you want to jump on to, I would love to hear about. Sure. So I'll just say one thing on charter schools. So charter schools are like, they're publicly funded. They're basically like private schools, more or less. Um, right. I'm nitty gritty of like how they get funded and all that. But like, they're basically private schools that are funded more or less by, by the public districts, I think, okay. uh, you know, anyway, but they're just yeah. like, they run like private schools. They run, okay. and they have certain obligations, like, you know, right. they serve students with disabilities and, but anyway, they're similar to, to private school in the way like okay. they have a and they have like a certain model and the way they educate students. So, I mean, that's basically private schools is they, they all have their different way that they do things. Um, some, you know, some have certain values that they really uphold, like some mm-hmm. are religious schools, right. follow the tenets of the religion. Um, some more, you know, follow that more than others right. um, and accept students who are that religion, or maybe some of them are more, more broad and who they accept. Um, there's, there are schools that, um, you know, like have a social justice um, kind of bent and that's okay. their values. Um, there are schools that just have different models of teaching. Like there, there's a school in the, a couple of schools in the area I think can think of that have like, they use this, they're located in the city and they use the city as a classroom and they oh. learn, they learn in the classroom, but then they go out in the city and they explore and learn and wow. experiential like that. And then there's very like, cool. Yeah. And there's like different like progressive schools that maybe have more hands-on learning, um, project-based learning, inquiry-based learning. Things where, you know, following the student interest. I, there's one school in the area that I love that um, they have a mastery-based learning approach and they don't have any grades. And I believe they don't have any or not, not much homework. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. So there's Montessori schools that, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, certain model where there is more student choice involved, right. a freedom of movement, and they have their own philosophy of how they do things. So that's just a sampling. Yeah. <laughs> Different private schools. Oh, and then there's the schools that are like focused on students with disabilities. Okay. So oh, and, there, and then there's gifted schools. And I wish there was some that I said, like there aren't, we don't have two e-schools, although some places do, but in right. our area, but there are just gifted schools. Like, 
and they don't accept soups. A lot of students that have disabilities, I'm not going to say none, but like more significant disabilities are not going right. to take. And there's schools that like really focus on disabilities. Like there's several okay. schools in the area that have, um, that are really focused on students that have language-based learning disabilities. Right. Um, you know, dyslexia. Yeah. Graphia, um, things like that. Um, and then there's other schools like this. I think of a school that focuses on bright students who have autism. Yeah. Anyway, there's just a lot of different options out there. Yeah. And those, the, it's really interesting to hear those because like we do um, know of a couple schools that are in our area, like the Siena School or Fusion Academy. Those two schools, like from what I've been able to see of them, um, are very different in their learning. Like Fusion Academy, it's one-on-one right, teaching. Right. I, um, when I heard about that at first, I was like so fascinated by that. Right? It's so cool, right? They come yeah. together and they're work cafe and they, you know, could get, you know, they, they get, they get, but the, but their instruction is individualized. Like right. so interesting. Yeah. It is so interesting. So like that is a school that, um, a private school that we have seen. And then the Siena school, like you were mentioning with like dyslexia and dysgraphia, they mainly focus on that. Um, mm-hmm. but they have regular smaller classrooms, but they have an actual classroom where it's not just one-on-one teaching. So that is also something that I've found very interesting to, recommend to parents if they're looking for another school option for their kids. But do you have like a way that you would recommend parents find these private schools? Do you just like type it into Google, like find private schools in my area? Like, yeah, that's tricky. Um, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a, a child that ha- or a professional or, you know, you're somebody who right. has, is working or has children have learning differences. So, you know, you're going to want to find a certain type of school. Um, right. No, I mean, everyone's going to want to find a certain type of school that's going to really meet the needs of their unique child. Um, so I think the first step is really like understanding what you're looking for. I mean, I feel like doing just like a random, like a general Google search is going right. to be like, you're going to just get schools that are not, be a lot of schools and you get schools that are not right, right. for your child. So I think the first step is really like, Thinking about what is your child needs, what's not going well, and there, since it sounds, you know, the child seems to be needing a different environment. So, right. what's not going well? What does go? What has gone well in the past, or what's going well in the current environment? Mm-hmm. Kind of knowing your child, like what their interests are, like uh, what your family values are, what it is that you're looking for in a school. So, that's like step one, <laughs> and right. then I guess you could maybe do a Google search or you know ask other parents. Although I will say, um, you know, some of the online groups I see from parents, very well-meaning parents sometimes don't really understand, especially they don't understand like the nuances for the different learning differences. So it's challenging. So I've seen people throw out schools like clearly don't deal with that disability. I don't know, like maybe talking to more trusted people, like parents have a child in the school, like who, or, or maybe more parents who have a child like that's maybe similar profile to yours to like talk to right. people. But I think we're at like sort of the online groups of parents, not super helpful all the time. Yeah. If, you, if your child has something really specific that, you know, something you need for your child. Um, I mean, sometimes there's other school fairs. I've seen there's been online okay. school fairs. Um, you might be, I know around here, there's like a small schools fair that I think that happens twice a year. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't, it's, it's hard. I, I think it's hard. I think, I think maybe look, I mean, being realistic about the location of where you might right. uh, send your child. I think that actually is really important because sometimes I work with parents who are like, oh, I, I'll look anywhere in the whole DC metro. I mean, it's really yeah. a big area. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> and like, I'm like, well, I found you this great school, like way out in Chantilly. Oh, no. And they're like, you know, yeah. and they're like, I was like, well, that sounds great. And they, they drive there for the visit. They're like, no, I can definitely not. Yeah. We'll move anywhere. No, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't mean to make fun, but like, I'm just saying like, it's just important to be realistic. Like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Use like use your, um, your Google map, like do it at the time when you're going to actually have to drive there right. and like see what's realistic for your family. But like some, you know, some parents, they live, it's they work in um, a certain area that's further from their house. So that could right. work. So yeah. what works for your family in terms of distance? So, I mean, that could be a, a place to start also. Just like what location is reasonable for us? Um, also, some like older students, um, some students that are like um, in high school and they're more street savvy, they can mm. go in the metro. And right. so that opens up more possibilities. So right, kind of right. being specific to your individual family's uh, needs and regarding transportation. Also, some schools have buses. So yeah, um, that could open up some more doors. But I would say... I guess more of saying like, just think about where uh, would be reasonable for you to look and then see, maybe then do a Google search. Right. Uh, there's also professionals like, you know, me and other consultants that can help with that kind of thing. Yeah. If, if you I don't mean, know what to do. Yeah. That's very helpful. I, I think before you even go to search for a school, understanding what your need is. And like you said, kind of a location based um, inventory of what you guys can do in your own home. Cause that is something that even us, we're not technically a school, right? We are therapists and parents will say, oh yeah, I can bring my kid to the Vienna office. And they realize that Vienna at 4 PM is a nightmare. And so (laughs) we say, we have a virtual option if you'd like to keep your appointment time, but you want the kid to be seen at home or like at the end of their school day, they go, you know, you pick them up and they, they start their session at home. however, but they realize, you know, that's a better option for them. Or they realize the DC office is actually just like a tiny bit closer to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a really good thing to like remind people location is a big deal. Um, yeah, yeah. if you're yeah. bringing your kid in person. Right. Cause you have uh, one other child who's like has a, in a school, like all the way across the other t- side, right. side of town that way. But anyway, that might be a good, more, a better location for you if your child right. is other child going that way. So yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, I mean, there are these websites. I mean, I don't know how helpful they are, you know, like niche and, you know, I don't know, different, different, I don't know how, but they, you know, but I think, I think looking at the websites are helpful, like, like looking at the location and then looking, you know, getting some personalized recommendations um, and then looking at the websites. Once, if you can really look at the websites, I think that's really helpful to really get read them carefully and get a flavor of a hope, you know, who are they looking for? Who, you know, what are their, what are they about? Who do they serve? I'll say the websites don't always tell you everything you need yeah. to know. Like right. some things they don't want to tell you, like, for example, like, you know, I, I know some schools that they, oh, we're so welcoming and inclusive and it sounds great. And then students of uh, parents of students with autism, they're like, that sounds perfect for my child. They're right. inclusive and welcoming, but I might know, you know, yeah. or other people might know, they don't generally accept students with autism. They're not going to mm. put that on the website because that right. can be discriminatory or might feel awkward for them to put that on there. But it's, it's I'm just, it's tricky. It is tricky. But that's, and, I mean, that's why you do what you do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so in terms of the private schools versus a public school, do you find that private schools are better suited to assist twice exceptional students? Like when you find the appropriate private school for your child, right? Um, do you find that they often have more resources to be able to 
guide your student in the right direction? Or do you find it's similar, like tenacity to go in and find help? Right. That's a good question. Um, I think, you know, I think the goal is, you know, if you, if this, if we are looking for a private school that we want to find the best option. So, um, and I'll do a deep dive into each school and a deep dive in actually to the student and learning about exactly what their needs are. And I mean, I do a super deep dive and I talk to therapists and I talk to tutors and I, you know, I read all the reports and I just kind of, you know, gather a lot of information to help me determine what, where I think they do best. And actually just meeting the students so I can know like, what's their style? Like who, what right. who, what kind of peers are, are they going to relate to? Cause a lot of it's just finding your, your basically kind of quote unquote home, you know, like where they're going to belong and feel comfortable. So a lot of it's, it's uh, you know, it's a lot of different factors. Um, but uh, you know, so I think just finding the right fit is the most important thing. And, right, but right. I mean, sometimes, sometimes there might be a school like, Oh, this is a perfect fit socially, emotionally. Um, but they don't, maybe they don't offer, you know, a student has a certain, they have a math disability and the school's not focused on that, but they're like, but, but what they have space in, you know, they offer space to have tutors. So you could hire okay. a specialist in a math disability. You could have them come into, you know, if they're welcoming to have tutors and they're welcoming to partner. So you can sort of make things work. Okay. So, yeah. But like, it's, you know, it's tricky. It's tricky to find, you know, the right fit, you know, it's, but you know, you also have to have the resources, you know, we have right. to have, be able to pay for it. Um, yeah. I would recommend if you are going to, uh, if you need financial aid, then you want to make sure you're applying early. Um, right. you know, I, I work with people all year round on finding schools. So if you're looking at in like in June for the next, for the following school year, you're probably not going to get a lot of funding. Right. <laughs> probably not going to get any, but there's <sighs> some exceptions, but, yeah. um, you know, make sure you're applying early to get financial aid and, you know, kind of see how much financial aid is actually being offered and what's typical. So I get clearly that's a downside of private schools being able right. to afford it. Do you find that like the best time to apply for a private school is the the, the fall of the school year prior to when you want to apply? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I would say the majority of schools, um, at least in this area, they uh, applications are due in, in January. So that could wow, be, okay. it could be, I've seen it as, I've seen it the first week of January. I've wow. seen it like the last week of January, sometimes even February, but around that, that anywhere from the early January to sometime in Feb, maybe mid February is basically the time that most people are applying for the following year. Okay. Although, you know, so yes, I mean, that would be a good time to apply, you know, um, if you're, if you, if you have that time available to you, you know, so not everyone does, you know, sometimes I get a lot of calls that are, people are in sort of some sort of educational crisis, their child's yeah. not doing well. So, you know, you can still get into a school. You can definitely still get into a school that way with that. But especially if you're applying to like a more competitive school, like everyone wants to be in this school, then right. you, you do probably want to apply with that timeline in mind. So yes, you should start looking, um, you know, September is a good time because they start having open houses. And I definitely want families to go visit the schools and, you know, have a shadow day if possible, right. you know, really see what the school's like. Go, definitely advise parents to go uh, when school's in session, don't go to one of those informational nights in the evening or weekend. Right. <laughs> you definitely want to go and see like who's there, you know, really yeah. keep, your, keep your eyes open and see what's going on there. See how students are interacting, see what the education looks like, not just like bulletin boards on the wall, you know, right. you want to see what's going on. But um, yeah, that 
definitely starting in the fall is, is a good time, you know, but, you know, as I said, you can certainly get accepted. You can even get accepted mid-year at some schools. Oh, okay. Um, and you never know, like, I mean, I've helped people find placements in August. Okay. You know, wow. like, it ha- you know, either there are, so, you know, sometimes people drop out, they, they right. can't fulfill their obligation. They're moving away. Who knows? Yeah. And they just, some, a lot of times schools, they will, won't fill up all their spaces uh, specifically. Like they're like, we just want the right fit, you know? So even right. if they right. have a lot of applicants, they're not just going to take anyone to fill those spots. They'll leave them open. So wow. for people that it's helpful to people that are applying late, late. but if yeah. you can, clearly it's better to apply, <laughs> to apply in the fall early. and then right. submit your application in January. It's probably right. the best. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, I think it, that's another thing to like always keep in mind is if you think, if you feel your child might need to move to a private school, it's good to start looking at this point in the year, right? Like starting in September and yep. getting in, like you said, to the to more open houses and things of that nature. Right. And give you more time so it's not like a right. time crunch. Right. Um, so I want to touch on the online and hybrid school options because while, yeah, when I was in high school, I took one class online. I never in a million years would have thought I could go to school online. So that is so interesting to me. So sure. tell me about that. Yeah. And there's also the homeschooling if you want to talk about that too. Oh, so, uh, for sure. For uh, sure. Yeah. Well, hybrid is sort of like homeschooling. It could be, but um, yeah. So if you want to talk about online school. That'd be first, great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. Um, so there's, there's a lot more options of online school than people would imagine. There's hundreds of them, you know, there's, you know, in the, uh, clearly online school is not f- for any particular area unless it's run by your state or school district and that's right. pretty you know, regional, but generally, you know, there's accredited and non-accredited online schools. And some of them are like, like full-time you, you, you go, um, you know, a full, a f- I mean, a full day does not necessarily the full day that you would see in a public school or private right. school. Like that doesn't necessarily have to be eight to three, you know, it could be, um, it probably, probably shorter because it's more condensed. More condensed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um but you could just take a class or two um at certain places and you know some have different options. Some you could do be part-time, full-time, take a class. Some some are only like we only offer classes. Um wow. that's what they do. And then it's I mean I feel like a lot of people are scared off by the idea of online school at this point because I think pretty much everyone did some kind of virtual school yeah. during the pandemic. So people are like, no, you know, right. <laughs> I'm like, like, you know, no, wait, there's been online schools for, for a really long time before that. And this is right. what, they, this is what they did. Like, this is what, you know, this is their model from before the pandemic. So yeah. I wouldn't necessarily be afraid um, if your child didn't do so well in the, you know, very quickly put together, non-experienced right. school districts who just, I don't know, probably transferred what they were doing in person to online and that probably didn't go very well. Right. I mean, certainly it's not right for everybody, but I was, yeah, I would yeah. just say that there are a lot of different, there's different models of online school. Some are synchronous versus asynchronous, meaning like the, the classes are live online, okay. interactive yeah, yeah. versus like some schools, like, you know, you watch a video and then, you know, you do your work at home. It's, you don't have to be online at the same time with everyone. So, some of them I have heard like, all the classes, your cameras are off. That's just the way it's done. Wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> like, nice. oh, that's interesting, right? So yeah, they I never have... ever see the other participants, but they're all there. Huh. Yeah. And there's that's just different funny. types. Yeah. And there's just different types. There's so many. It's kind of how I was just explaining private schools. Well, I would say that's similar 
to online school. I mean, they're just private schools that are online. So okay. they, they do things very differently. Some are very project-based learning. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, some of them actually, if, if they, if they're large and they have uh, students in the area, they sometimes they some have meetups oh, cool. in your local area, even it could be, even though the online school could be national or international, like they have different pockets of students wow. places. And um, yeah, so you know, that, that anyway, online school could be a hybrid kind of school. Like you could take okay. a couple classes um, or do part-time and then also do something else. Right. Like, oh, you know, depends, so, it also depends on your state. Like if they allow you to do a hybrid. Yeah. Cause that's what I was going to ask. So you said the online school is, pri- it's private school, right? It's not like a public school right. district offered um, yeah. option. Right. So what I, yeah, I mean, there's both. I mean, what I was mostly okay. speaking about the different options, different models, it would be more like that would be something a private, you would pri- pay privately for that. Right. And it'd be, usually it's cheaper than a private school in person. Right. Yeah. Because you're not paying for building funds and all that. Whatever. Exactly. Right. Right. But yeah. yeah, but like, but like, as I said, like there are some probably usually more traditional school models that they, that the, that the state or the school district is paying for. And there's one popular one called K-12 um, that a, yeah. number, a number of schools, they will pay for that. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, some people like it. I mean, it's very more traditional. I've heard people not like it because it's a little too, I mean, if your child wasn't doing so great in public school, they might not do so great with online the learning, the online, right. very traditional learning, a lot of hours, right. you know, so got to see what's, what's out there and what's best for your child. Yeah. That's interesting. And so have you heard a lot of people where they know their child is going to do great in a science class that's taught by someone else, like, and they go and take that class online and then the rest yeah. they do in a different form? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. And right. Are you saying that the hybrid is normally hybrid with homeschooling or is it normally hybrid with public school? Like what's the deal there? Right. So I guess it's going to depend on your state and what they're, mm-hmm. what, you know, they legally allow for, but, um, I, I usually, I would say it'd be something combined with homeschool okay. where, I mean, like if, yeah, I mean, if you're doing, if you're doing an accredited online school, then I believe that again, it's going to depend on your state, but I believe most of the time that will be considered you're not homeschooling if you're in an accredited school. Um, but if, you know, right. If you're going to do like a hybrid kind of situation, usually it will be like with a home with homeschool. So you could like say like a high school student could take, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for high school students because um, if they want to get the credits, I mean, it's not necessary. There's other ways to homeschool, but it's an easy way. Like it's not all parents can teach algebra too, you know, right. so, <laughs> it'd be a good, good. I mean, some parents can for them or maybe students <laughs> can self-teach, but um, you know, if you feel like, you know, your 11th grader needs an algebra two class, well, you might want to jump on a, an online class and, and maybe homeschool, like, or, you know, for like physical education, you know, they could yeah. play a tennis, you know, or take a tennis class or whatever, you know, things that are a little more easy to homeschool. Um, so that could be a, a hybrid kind of situation. Okay. Um, yeah. Or just like, or just, you know, or it could just be like, say like a younger kid who, um, you know, they, they're doing a lot of their education at home or going to class, you know, going to in-person classes, but they have a real strong interest in astronomy. So I don't know, you know who's going to, no one, no one locally is teaching astronomy right. class. So they find an online class that could teach them, um, you know, it could be a, a person, it could be a group, it could be, um, could be even a, a college, a college class. Yeah. So, oh, then there's also like, like, like that's a whole other thing is dual enrollment, you know, right. Like, uh, yeah, you're a high school student, and you could take classes in a community college or yeah. or a local college, or an online 
school. Again, it sort of depends on, I mean, so, some public school districts do allow you to take, to be part-time at, at, at public school and part-time online or Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. It depends on the state, really. I didn't know that. And it could even depend within the school district. Um, I believe in Virginia, they, um, it depends on the school district. If they allow you to take, if you're like homeschooling, you could take some classes or uh, um, extracurriculars in the actual school, but it it seems to be dependent on the district. Wow. That's very interesting though. Cause I was wondering if, you had that option. Cause I feel like there are, like you were saying, like with homeschooling, when do you get your like PE requirement? Like, mm-hmm. unless you say like, all right, well, we're all going to go play sports, but like, who knows if the parents have want to do sports or have the mobility to do things of that nature. So that, I, that is a good, good thought to throw out there. Maybe you send your kids to school for PE or something yeah, of that nature. If they'll, if they'll allow it and if your child right. wants to, and you know, I mean, also just, I mean, just a note about homeschooling. It's not as, it's usually, it, I do a lot of coaching with parents to help them understand that homeschooling is just not as stressful as people imagine it to be. It's just, yeah. it can be like, you know, like, so I, I wouldn't worry so much if a student, you know, about their PE credit, you know, like, I mean, they're out, you know, if they're, playing sports and they're learning and they're active. Usually that'll count. There's so many options. You don't have to, again, every school, every, every state is different, but usually the the theme I try to get across to parents is don't worry, take your stress level down. It's Uh let your child enjoy their education. That's like a really big benefit to homeschooling is that you have so many choices and I don't know if you have any specific questions about homeschooling. Well, I don't know if I have specific questions, but I just want to, well, maybe because I've always been curious about homeschooling and if they have specific requirements to take your student from public school to be homeschooled, like, are there things you have to cover? And is it like grade, is it done by grade? Like how does, how does homeschooling work? (laughs) Yeah, sure. So it really depends on your state um, and being in the DC material, there's three, three more or less states. There's DC (laughs) district, Uh, there's Maryland and Virginia and this area. So they're all a little bit different um, and all the different states. Like, so usually there's some kind of reporting to the state, like intent to homeschool for like you say, I'm going to homeschool my child. There might, there's may or may not be a deadline. I mean, you you can homeschool at any point, but usually there's certain might be a timeframe where like, like in Maryland, I think it's 15 days. They want you to submit this form 15 days before you start homeschooling in Virginia. um, It's August 15th. You have to submit the form. So, you know, certain deadlines and, and there are some states you do not even have to report it. It's, I find that unbelievable. You don't have to report anything. I believe in Texas that (laughs) you just start homeschooling your kids and nobody keeps overseeing it. So it's, you know, check your state laws and they're not super complicated laws to read either. Like you could just, you can look, look it up and, you know, your state legislation and okay. homeschool, home, you know, home education, you know, search it and, or right. there's different organizations that can help you figure that out, but it's not super complicated. It'll be, okay. tell you like what you need to do. But um, yeah, I mean, there's usually there's some kind of regulations where it might be like, like in Maryland, you need to do a portfolio review. So you okay. meet twice a year with somebody in the um, in this with the school district to go over like what you've been doing, and you're supposed to cover the eight different areas that are traditionally taught in public schools, like math, science, social studies, reading, you know, English, you know, 
PE, art, you know, there's eight different subjects that you have to cover and you're supposed to provide regular and thorough instruction to your child. Um, but you don't have to, um, you don't need to cover anything particular. Like if say if they're studying native Americans in third grade in public school, you do not need to cover native Americans in third grade. (laughs) You need to cover social studies. That could be anthropology. It could be geography. It could be, um, I don't know, history, some, uh, some European history, U.S. history. I mean, it could be so, so broad. So a lot of freedom with that. Interesting. That is so, I'm curious about that because I've always wondered if there was, um, like provided curriculum, if you wanted more like assistance from the school district. Um, but it sounds like it's very open. Yeah. I mean, most, so that is a downside of homeschooling is that you usually will have to shell out some money, um, less than private school generally, but it depends like how you do it. I mean, you could do it all. I mean, these days, I mean, there's so much online you can get for free and there's a library. Uh, A lot of homeschoolers use the library. Mm-hmm. a lot and get a lot of books out so you can do things like that but um but generally the school district doesn't provide um materials although again it really is going to be state dependent some school districts will i'm pretty sure in the in the area they're the, the dc area they're not providing anything to okay. you you have to if you want to buy books or curriculum guides or anything balls for your pe you're not you gotta you gotta buy that yourself or any classes so mostly but i think there are school districts that do offer some, some things, but again, okay. you have to check your, your state. Okay. But I think most people, most of the listeners are in the DC area, right? <laughs> yeah, for the most part. But that's, I mean, I'm, that's, it's very interesting to me. Like I said, I've, I've always wondered that. Um, I have some friends who like homeschool their kids and I'm always, I like, I have never asked, I guess, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I'm always curious. I'm like, what, what are the like guidelines essentially for, for homeschooling a student? And so that, so it sounds to me like um, students don't generally take like standardized tests. Like I know in Virginia, we have the standards of learning. So the SOLs are taken at the end of every year. So right. homeschoolers don't take those, right? Right. Well, they can. If so in Virginia, so there's, you know, as I said, every state's still different. So um, you can take um, certain standardized tests. Um, it could, or it could be like even a test that um, just something to show that you've, that you've learned, um, okay. you know, kind of. So you could get a test by, I believe, like a psychologist who does like psychoeducational okay. testing or just to see where your where your levels are. Um, so there, there are some certain standards for that, but um, but not, but you don't have to do that. You could also have someone evaluate you, um, yeah. could be like a licensed teacher, um, tutor, you know, somebody who's keeping track of what you're doing. So there's different ways that you can sort of, I mean, the, the goal is really to, in any state, I believe it's sort of more quote unquote prove that you're providing an education to your child. Right. But I don't think most school districts like are extremely specific about what it is that you learn. And that is what I think is so amazing about homeschooling, right. which is that you have so much freedom and you, and you don't have to do it during the traditional school day either. Right. I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I, one big benefit, I did home, I did homeschool my kids for four and a half years. So I have a lot of oh, personal wow. experience. With it. Yeah. Um, one great thing was that vacations are a lot cheaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, vacation in March. Who's going on vacation in March? You know, nobody. That's so nice. Very cheap and a lot of, a lot of freedom and a lot right. of uh, poss- possibilities. The possibilities are pretty endless and, and how you do it and what, what, what you study. And it's really just meeting the needs of your unique learner, which is amazing when you have a child who's a little out of the box in that way. 
Yeah. And I was going to say like the reason I brought up standardized testing is because I know like a lot of times, especially if you've got an IEP for a student who needs longer time on testing or they need um, they need a computer or they need something to be read to them, like that's so stressful for them to sit through a standardized test. And I feel like the ability to have um, homeschooling where someone could come in and evaluate their child as opposed to it being like, I have to sit in this room with like my peers and they're all going to finish before me and I'm going to be sitting here like still finishing this test and people are going to pick on me for it. Like, it's so nice to have the ability of them not required to take the standardized test, but they are still getting learning and you can still show that. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Thanks for hitting on that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I had a specific question of like, which I think will not have a specific answer, <laughs> but I'm going to ask it. Sure, go, go. Um, Do you have like specific, a specific school type that you recommend to like a specific kind of twice exceptionality, if that makes sense? Like if you have a student with ADHD and dyslexia, do you recommend a specific kind of school or is it super, super individualized? Both. Um, I think that it's, it is super individualized because every, I I find with these, these kids that are, have this, you know, these two E profiles are just really complex and their needs are just unusual and interesting. You know, like, like they're just kind of very sometimes intense people or very intense interests and yeah, not really intense people, but like just like the intent, you know, there's a lot going on. Make sure a school can address right. um, or a school option can address, you know, how, how can we address that in this, in what, what's, what's available? Cause I always say I can't create schools. I wish I could, right. but it is, it is, even though there's a lot of options, it's still what's out there. I don't, I don't right. do that on the business of creating options, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but you know, but that being said, like, and so I visit a lot of schools. So I, yeah, I start to learn like, all right, which schools are at least in the realm of possibility for the student. So that's usually what, what I do is, you know, I, I learn about the student and the family and see what it is that is, is needed for that, that, that family. Um, and then I consider what's out there. Like, I don't, are we talking more mostly about public private schools? Um, yeah, in general. I think just in general, because, you know, sometimes like a public school option is like what the kid wants. Right. Maybe they need the IP. Sure. Sure. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, so I guess in general, it's similar, but similarly, um, you know, what, right. Like, so I might, right. For this type of student, I might, I would recommend these schools or this option or for like, for example, if a student has like significant emotional regulation challenges mm-hmm. that's going to be really limited on like any a private school private right. schools like at least in this area you know yeah there's just not a lot of schools that will even consider a student that have like a student that has meltdowns or right. you know no fault of the child their children you know they're trying to do the best they can it's really right. hard for them it's hard for the parents but and the schools just don't always have the resources or they don't know how to deal with it i don't know what the, you know for whatever reason they're not taking students that have those challenges. So I'm saying like a child like that, I'd say, okay, well, private schools may, may, may not be a, you know, I can think of two, right. uh, you know, but it might not be in your, where you live. It might be in too far right. for you or may, maybe right, right down the street. I don't know. You know, so yeah. I have like two schools I can think of for you, but maybe, you know, homeschooling for all, maybe for this year, get, you know, actually I have a family like that I'm working with now who exactly like that really bright, like gifted kiddo. Um, young, you know, um, and 
just, you know, it just doesn't have the skills for the, for the self-regulation. Right. So we looked at us and us, you know, a few different schools, they were considering even moving locations. Um, wow. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, didn't work out for that, you know, the child to get accepted into a school. Um, so yeah, we're, they're doing homeschooling for this next upcoming year. So I'm helping wow. them put together a homeschool program. That's awesome. So yeah, I mean like that to me, and, and they didn't want to consider public because they didn't I think know. that would be a good fit for their yeah. Their child, it wasn't recommended from their evaluation that a big public school would anyway. So, like, I'm like, yeah. all right, well, what options do we have? You know, he's little, right. like, I don't think an online program would be good for him because he's really young. Um, right. uh, energy, so you know, <laughs> anyway, so like, I'm like, all right, well, your option is really homeschooling, okay? But yeah. like, how we put that together is you know, that would be right. different. I'm just saying, like, like, so certain categories of students in my mind, like, I might have ideas of like what would right. be a good option. So I, if you're asking how yeah, that, parents figure that out, that's, um, I don't, you know. No, that just, makes sense. Cause I was wondering if you had like, if there was a general, um, like type of education that, um, would fit like a specific need. I didn't know if like, mm, cause like you were kind of like you were saying, like an emotion, like someone who struggles with emotional regulation, like there aren't a lot of private schools specifically here that help with that. So you know that you're going to start probably recommending homeschooling unless you can find like a good public school area that has that like resource or some some area that has that resource. But it's just interesting to hear if um, if there's like a starting point for parents in a specific, like with a, a child with specific needs. So that's Right. And I know you, you work with a lot of students who have like learning disabilities, right? right. Like, so it's like the reading disabilities, you know, things like that. So there are, I mean, I would say for, for that example, yes, there are, I mean, I, yeah, I have sort of my short list of like, okay, right. these are the schools, like, like, well, first time I, I would look at, well, how impacted is the student with their mm-hmm. reading? Like, I mean, some are just mild, like they have dyslexia, they're mildly impacted and some are like severely impacted or somewhere in the middle. Right. So, you know, if it's mild, maybe the student could be in a more mainstream school. If the school's open-minded, maybe they have sometimes some schools actually even a tr- more traditional private school they have um, Orton Gillingham instructors on staff. Right. Also look yeah. for a school like that. But like, but like, but there are like this. There are like a, a list of in my. I have a list of schools that specifically target students that have this dyslexia. Like these right. would be good schools. But there's you know there might be more options than the ones that people might originally like automatically think of because right. first of all, if they have severe dyslexia, I know certain schools, they only do mild to moderate dyslexia, uh, you know, so mm-hmm. that wouldn't might be a good fit for your severe dyslexic student. So, right. okay. <laughs> well, that is interesting. Um, and I guess if you've got a kiddo that's been in public school for so long and you're going to start transitioning them into a different kind of schooling, right? You're going to take them out of public school. They're going to do private, whether it be online or hybrid or homeschool or like a private school. How do you have any like tips for transitioning that kiddo from the public school system to something in a private school system? Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, I think that by involving the student in, in, in the process, I think that's really helpful so I'm um, just all along, like, so, you know, I mean, I think that most students have some inkling that things aren't going well, you know? Right. So like, I think that you can, as a parent, you could speak to that and say, you know, hey, we're going to be, you know, things are difficult at your, if you're in public school or, or private school or, you know, things aren't going, you know, having a hard time. We want to find you a place where just be positive. You want to find a place where 
you know, there's kids like you who you're going to fit in or whatever's, but, you know, or they, they can address, you know, you're having trouble with reading. Like this is a school that really specializes with kids, you know, that have these certain challenges. Like you, you know, just I'd be very positive and, and let them know like this is happening. So I'm like, like letting them know in advance if possible, like right. what's going on. And then part of, if, if they are looking at private schools, I mean, part of the process is visiting, having meetings with the school, visiting, right. touring the school, having a shadow day a lot of times. So they're going to be involved in the process. So, I mean, that's sort of built in. So that, you know, but I guess just having that open conversation like all along with the, okay. with the student about that. And it's more, it's, it's a little more difficult if they're going into public school because they don't necessarily right. have the open houses and all that, but, yeah. um, but you can request it. I mean, I, I don't know. They may or may not be, um, denied but it's right, possible right. they might you know you know a nice principal might be open to having your student come in and see i've definitely seen that where you know if you ask and they they're they they would need to allow your child to come in and right. visit and tour or maybe even just go to a community event at the school okay. to get a sense. i think just like i'm just saying preparing them like before let's like you know kind of i, I the way you phrase it, it made me think of like, oh, they're gonna, you're just gonna kind of, I'm just gonna mean this way. But it's kind of like, like, we're gonna drop you off at the school. And <laughs> right. <block>. right. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. No, I'm just saying like, give some advanced time to absolutely like, get used to the idea and like, you know, visiting the school and talk, maybe meeting with other kids who go there. Like, definitely for like high school students or middle school students, like meeting some other kids so they know somebody right. there and getting to know a little more about the school. So I, I think just that whole process of, you know, and you know, and also like having open conversations with them because if they have anxiety, a lot of these, a lot of the kids I work with have anxiety, just even that, if that wasn't their initial diagnosis, it become they become very anxious because right. school's not a good fit. So, um, you know, what, what are your, you know, what are your concerns? You seem anxious about this. What are, what are you worried about? And like, say, for example, if it's a larger school environment and they are worried about you know, how to deal with that, then maybe right. you can well, go over like, well, this is your safe person or this is your safe place right. to have a, maybe a plan of action to help them feel more comfortable. Yeah. But I think ultimately just finding the right fit is going to be, you know, make it the transition much easier because right. it'll just be, you know, easy. also like I was thinking with homeschooling, like, you know, you want to like involve them in the process of, you know, like, what are you interested in? What is it that you want to do and make sure like you have exciting classes for them or, you know, just plan it well. And, and I just like keeping them involved in the whole process of getting set up for the next, next uh, environment. And again, yeah. like finding the right fit, I think is going to be the ultimate way that they transition well. Yeah. <laughs> that is Enjoy. helpful. Cause I, th- I think some of our parents, like when they first totally different, but in a similar vein of being involved when their child first gets diagnosed with dyslexia or something of that nature, they, the parents are like, do I tell my kid? Do I not tell my kid? Like, what, how do I navigate this? Do I just like, what, what do you think is the best option? And we always say, tell them like, it's a great, I, obviously it's a great idea to tell them, but sometimes they're so little, they parents feel like they're not either. They're not going to understand, or they're going to be like, be scared. Like, Oh no, something's wrong with me. But kids are so intuitive. They already know they're struggling. And so by involving them in the discussion of, Hey kiddo, like this is what's happening. Like we've found out, like you've got dyslexia. That's what's making reading so hard. And we're going to find you some help for that. Then they like, it's like a weight has been lifted off their shoulders. So I, it's, it's interesting to hear. And like I said, it's in this similar vein of like having them involved as the process goes on. Obviously there's kind of like 
a requirement of involvement. Cause if, if you're go- going to a pub- private school, like sometimes there's like the interviews or like stuff that goes on beforehand, right? Like they bring the kid in to have like, to see how they're going to fit in. Um, but it is interesting to hear that even with homeschooling, like it's a good reminder to say, Hey, what do you actually care about? Like, what do you want to learn about? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I think just keeping them involved in the process. It's interesting to hear that, you know, yeah, similarly, like what you're saying, I think it's yeah. right. keeping, get, get, keeping them informed, keeping them involved, keeping them, let them know it's going to be okay. And right. look at the positives, I think. Yeah. Cause I think, like I said, I think parents are scared that them hearing the diagnosis will freak them out more, mm-hmm. but in reality, it's like, they hear the diagnosis and they're like, ah, oh, well, great. Like I knew something was off. Like I knew something was bothering me, but now I know what it is. And I know there's like, there's a solution for it. It right. isn't just me feeling like sitting in my classroom, feeling like I I'm not smart or like whatever the case may be, right. Feeling like I'm struggling and have no reason for it. Um, so it is, yeah. it is really an interesting, like parallel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they know, they know they're not doing very well in their school. Right. Things aren't going well. Like, right. like you said, a solution, like get to find them a solution. What's next. So, Yeah. <laughs> I think that was my last big question for you. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that came up while we were talking, but I think I'm, I think that was it for me. Do you have anything else you want to like share before we wrap up? No, no, I've enjoyed this conversation, Tristan. It's been great to talk to you and um, hopefully it was helpful to people to learn a little I mean, I know there's a lot, it's a lot to kind of digest because there's a lot out there, but um, I don't know. I would just say, you know, even though it feels overwhelming and um, feels like, you know, your child's struggling and it's, it's really stressful. And as I, as I know that as a parent um, and I know that as a professional working with a lot of people, but I do see the other side, I do see families getting to the other side of it. And I both, you know, as a parent, I mean, it's clearly it's a journey, but like, you know, there's definitely, it's your child doesn't have to be struggling so much where they are in this current where they are now, like if things are not going well, there's a lot of things you can do, a lot of options, a lot of ways that you things can be better. And, you know, I definitely see positive outcomes. So um, I feel optimistic. Um, I think just knowing yeah. what your options are and, you know, trying to explore different ways to make things better. I think the worst thing maybe is just stagnating and being yeah. stuck, you know, and just try to figure out what's next. So I, I, I don't be too afraid of change. I'd say, you know, yeah. try to figure something out because nobody wants their child to be unhappy with their right. child to thrive and be successful and they can be. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Well, this was, I think it was very helpful. Cause like I, like, like we had talked about kind of before going into this, I wouldn't have known a lot about all these different school options. Cause my background is just going to public school and knowing about public school. So I found it helpful. So I'm sure a lot of other people will find it helpful. So thank you so much for being here today. It was so interesting. And I'm glad I got to just like pick your brain about all of it. Um, And yeah, thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. Thank you. Absolutely. And all of your stuff will, will have um, all Stephanie's things listed in the description so that if anyone's looking for you, they can find you and maybe come at ask you for some advocacy help or help finding a school for their kiddo. Yep. Absolutely. Love to help, especially going into the new uh, school season where we're coming up. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, I love to help anyone who needs help. Awesome. Thank Thank you so much.
Thank you so much to the audience for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a little rating and review. It helps other folks find the podcast and we'll chat with you next time. Thank you.